great big good morning. morning. It's wonderful to have you here. I want you to notice my red attire because today I'm bringing it. And uh, because it's it's an important topic we're going to be looking at today and and one I think that we can look at with some humor and, and some fun as we try to move beyond the images that we have of people into a much deeper and richer connection. So, so, you know, one of the things I really enjoy about how God works, and, and I think God works this way in all of our lives, is are the growth opportunities endless or what? You know, they're endless. It's just one after another after another. All these opportunities to grow. And I just had a fun one, fun one yesterday. So, so being a pastor, right? Like pastors actually, you know, um, are, are for, well, I should say for me, like super sensitive. Like there's, there's just ways in which I'm super sensitive about certain things. And uh, this, this one person had had a conversation with me a few years back, and, and it was the wrong conversation at the wrong time in the wrong place. And what they were doing was they had some concerns and worries about New Church Live, and they wanted to tell me all about them. It went over not well at all. And just did not, any, just did not go over well at all. And, and so, so yesterday I'm doing a service, and this person, I see this person sitting there. So literally, as I'm doing this, this other service yesterday, I'm thinking, if they come up and talk to me after church, heaven help them, because I'm going to tell them exactly how it is. And I've got, I've got this argument, this premeditated argument in my head about what I'm going to say to this person, how I'm going to correct them, how I'm going to tell them, like, well, don't ever talk to me again about, you know, all these things I'm going to say. So, take a breath the service, leave, on my way, walking back home, uh, you know, some car pulls up here, car pulling up, up beside me, hear the window going down, and I'm thinking, all right, who's this? It was that person, and they said, Chuck, do you want a ride? I found that so funny, right? Because here it is, like, I've got all my, all my things ready to go. Like, I'm ready to launch. My finger is on the button. Fire, ready, aim. And they ask with the most pleasant of smiles, most pleasant of smiles, Jack, do you want to ride? You know, folks, that's life, right? That's life. And I I hope I'm not the only one who does that. Please. You know, we, we all do those things. And, and, then, and then I'm listening to this, to this great, great poem by Thomas Merton. And listen to this line by Thomas Merton. And Thomas Merton was a famous Nasturtian monk and, and uh, wrote The Seven Story Mountain. Wonderful guy to read. And he wrote this poem about when he sort of moved beyond his 20s and sort of lost his own self-righteousness. And this is what he said. Listen to this line, folks. He said it was a lucky wind that blew away his halo. That's a good line. It was a lucky wind that blew away his halo. And what I want to share with you today, it's a lucky wind that blows away all our halos. All those certainties, all those, this is exactly how it all goes. Like, like today is about trying to get rid of some of that. And here's, here's the crazy part, right? Like, some of those things, um, you know, we can even put a religious patina on it, which makes it even harder to let go of. And I think that's why the life of Jesus is so powerful. You know, again and again, we see with Jesus him showing up in places with people who didn't fit any of the normal um, boxes 
who didn't check any of the normal lists. But here's Jesus just talking about like this clear compassion. Not a place of superiority at all, imagined or otherwise, but a place of deep, rich, abiding community. Because once we can lose our halos in a certain sense, that's where we can really start to relate to each other. So today what we're going to be looking at, and again, wonderful to have you here, whether you're joining us in our studio audience live or whether you're joining us online, is we're going to be looking at four problems, three solutions. Four problems, three solutions. Now the problems, just starting out with, with the problems, just in general, you know, ways that, that, that we can kind of see the world and the way we can hold other people. One is we can hold other people as obstacles. And, you know, you think about like a TSA line, right? And we're sure the person in front of us did that on purpose. Like somehow them being in front of us is a problem. Somehow they decided to get into our way. I do that all the time with traffic, right? That somehow there's this rational choice that they made. So that's one promise is when we think of people as obstacles. Another is if we think of people as rivals. Who's the best Elvis? That doesn't work terribly well either. You know, it's, it's so easy to jump into this hyper-competitive thing where, where everything's a competition. Now, that, that doesn't mean, of course, that we aren't supposed to work at doing well and really do well. Like, excellence is a good thing. But the need to constantly compete might not be. And, and, and that word need is really important. Like if you're really needing all the time to compete with everything, the world can be a pretty challenging place. I love, again, it's March Madness here, a basketball season, and John Smith, the famous coach from, from University of North Carolina said, if you go into every situation regarding it as life and death, you're gonna be dead a lot. And I think that's really true. Hyper-competitive just doesn't work. The other one, folks, is sometimes, you know, we can see people kind of as decorations. You know, we can see them as just kind of like, they're just here to remind me of how great I am. <laughs> they're just decorations. They're just bit parts in our play. And again, I could go off on a whole tangent here on social media, because social media can feed that, can feed that a great deal. And, and the reality is people aren't decorations. You know, we're not all bit players. I, I love this concept from the new church that every single person, listen to this, every single person is the center of God's universe. That is a revolution of Copernican standards. You know, every single person. And I, and I love that idea of like, yeah, you may be sitting with, with family or friends, and understanding that, yeah, they're the center of God's universe, and you're the center of God's universe, and this person over here is the center of God's universe. That's how God holds things. And just, just folks, just think about the, the edges that that creates. A very different kind of edge to the world. Like, oh yeah, they're the center of God's universe too. Because that, that doesn't downplay us. That doesn't mean you're not important. It means you are important, and it means everybody is that way as well. And then a fourth problem, frustration release. 
I mean, I cannot imagine a harder job than to be a telemarketer. You know, and, and you just think about how many times I know for me, if, if like, if I'm upset or I'm angry, you know, and somebody calls telemarketer, I had, I had a funny one just on, on Friday, I got this, this call from a, from a wonderful person, and of course, like, I look at the number and I'm thinking, it's a telemarketer, but I'll just answer, and I answer with the most dry voice, like, hello? In other words, you are annoying me. And the person goes, is Pastor Chuck there? I could use a little hand. Like, oh, oh, yes, so bad. So my apologies for that person, if you're watching today, my apologies. It's, it's, those are the challenges, right? Those are, those are four distinct problems, and they go to how we hold other people. And really, it comes down to where we're holding other people, ready for this, folks, as bit parts in our play, in our performance. But the reality is we're all in this beautiful play we call life, all equally loved, all equally blessed, each of us having our own unique gifts. And, and so much of that, this is a little aside, I think a beautiful part of, of, of how we're supposed to see the world. And our job is to draw near enough to other people. So important to, to, to get this. To draw near enough to other people that we really see their gifts. And not only see their gifts, but can have ways of actually allowing those gifts to grow. Now, as the musicians come out here for the, for the first song, I want to talk about, yeah, you know, we're going to have these four, these four problems. And we're going to have three solutions. We're going to have three ways that, that we can see that just starting to break apart a little bit. And hopefully what we can do when we leave here today, when we leave church here today, is just see other people just a little bit differently. And as we do this, I ask you to hold two things. I'd ask you to hold both, how are you going to see strangers differently, which is a challenge. <laughs> the second challenge is even harder. How are you going to hold your loved ones differently? I think that's actually the bigger trick. So when we come back, we're going to talk about how we move through that and what might be some solutions to those four problems. Welcome, friends. Welcome to New Church Live. sacred ground Broken promises were sung all around It came upon us Took us by surprise We would fight on Too many would die Something happened to us You're free to live your own life I'm not telling you how You can live with your own heart And you'll find your way out Taking a chance Could be a compromise 
lift up your whole life and just try to survive. We breathed in strength and we marched on wickedness, betrayed and forsaken. We could not concede to this. Something happened to us. All around the fire, many stories are told. How they lied and twisted us up and put the truth on hold. about that leading leading with our heart and I think a big part of it right is this sacred no again to come back to that that beautiful line from Thomas Merton it was a lucky wind that blew away his halo a lucky wind that blew away our halo and and how is it that we can actually start to, to address this how can we actually start to see other people well there's three keys and again these are these are courtesy of Curtis Childs and Curtis was talking about this, and he came up with a great list, and this is his list. It starts with this. I want this person to be happier than I am in a, please say those last words, in a good way. Can we say good way together? In a good way. In a good way. So I, I want to start with the caveat there first, because that's important. Like, we're not talking here about accepting unacceptable behavior. We're not talking about codependency. We're not talking about the racket which some of us can get into where we're constantly like trying to get as far down and as low to the ground as we can. That's not it. It's, it's an approach that actually embraces individuality and embraces a world where, where things start to shift because we really are starting to look out for each other's happiness really are starting to think about that. And I think about the way a good parent works, right? Good parenting or grandparenting or favorite uncledom or favorite auntum, how, whatever it is. Like, there's no good parent who's like, well, you know, kid, I actually got to say my hope is when you grow up that I'm far happier than you are. 
You know, no parent would say that, right? At least I hope not. <laughs> we all want our kids to be happier. And we all want our kids to do more than we did. That's the love of God right there. That's what God's desire is. Is that constant happiness really, really, we would use the word joy probably in our culture, might be even a better word for it, but where that joy or that happiness just continues to grow. So, so with that happiness, again, that first one, I want this person to be happier. I mean, what, is, what is that built on? Well, it's built on a deep humility. This is from Luke 9, verse 48. For the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great or greatest. One is least, this is the one who's greatest. Jesus talks about that a lot. You know, if you want to get into more on that, you can Google when you go home, you can Google this word, the Beatitudes. Read that. And it's interesting, you know, this line, the context of this line, and it's one I use a lot when we do baptisms here at New Church Live. This is Jesus talking about children and, 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 and how, you know, children entering the kingdom of God. And it's a really powerful part of a baptism to gather a family around the parents there holding an infant, and to say this line, for the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is greatest. This is the one who's great. Because it's that, that infant, right? That infant who's accomplished nothing so far in their life, in a certain sense. But in a way, it's just this beautiful reminder of what real love is, what actually matters, what lasts, and a different reminder, a different form of happiness. Now, a line we're gonna be coming back to a number of times here connected to this. Like, here's this idea, right? I wanna really be focused on other people's happiness. I don't want it to all be about me. I wanna really focus on other people's happiness. Well, first step in that, I need to right-size myself. I need to right-size myself. And once I'm right-sized, I need to work on how I see the world. This is a beautiful line from the book, Heaven and Hell. Heaven is a heartfelt wishing better for others than for oneself. And serving others for the sake of their happiness with no thought of reward, simply out of love. This is immense. Strongly recommend you take a picture of it. This is big. Folks, how much of the world kind of thinks of heaven as a reward? I know I, I can. You know, heaven is a bunch of the people who finally did it right. It's a club. And this club are, is filled with a bunch of very pious people who never swear at traffic. And that's what heaven is. Here, Swedenborg flips that completely. He's saying, no, I, actually, it's not a reward. It's not like a goody thing where you've got enough checks or enough A pluses or enough stars on your forehead that you get in. He's saying something very different here. He's saying it's, it's in your heart right now. Think of that desire that you have for wishing better for other people. I guarantee there is someone in your life right now who you wish all blessing to them. Is it a friend about to get married? Is it a friend 
about to go into chemo treatment? Is it a child about to start spring baseball? See, that heartfelt desire that you have to watch them thrive, that's heaven. And of course, there is a heaven there and then, and that's where we live into that more and more, where, where the community actually starts to be organized around that paradigm, not a reward paradigm. Not a reward paradigm. It's fascinating. And, and how do we start to see there? Well, this line, simply out of love. Life's not that complicated when we come from that place. It's like we can look at life and we can look at event and we can say, well, we're going to do this, this, and this, and then we'll be rewarded with love over here once I get everything straight. It's not the message here. The message here, no, start looking simply out of love. Like, look at life out of love. Faith is the eye of love, as we say many times in here. And that's where we start to experience heaven. That's such a very different thing than a reward-punishment model. Now, how might this look in life? Well, I'd ask us just to think, let's just look at strangers. So you're walking down a street, and you see this guy, and I'm looking at that guy, I'm thinking, that's cool hair. And, and uh, you know, you just, you just notice this stranger. Well, when you notice this stranger, just pick, pick a person again, and you could think of it today when you're out. And just remember, again, like that person, your job even there with that stranger is to wish more happiness for them than you wish for yourself, to wish them the best. I mean, just imagine walking through a grocery store just saying, I wish you the best. Not saying it literally, because they'll probably call security, but, but just, just very quietly going, I wish you the best. I wish you the best. I wish you the very best today. Just have that little prayer going through. You will find it impossible to be annoyed. And what a gift that would be, to do grocery shopping without being annoyed. So just, just think about that for a minute, folks. See, see, here's this stranger, and this stranger is having a conscious experience of their life. This stranger has things that make him happy, things that bring him great joy. And this stranger has a trajectory to their life. God has them. We're going to come back to that. And, and folks, it's, it's, I mean, I find it, and I'm sure many of us do, like it is endlessly fun when you start to really look at people and start to be really interested in where is their conscious experience? What does make them happy? What's their trajectory of life? I want to talk about an experience with this that I had. This was, a, was uh, probably was pre-COVID. I mean, it's funny how everything's going to be dated now pre-COVID <laughs> or not. And this was a pre-COVID experience. I'm blessed with wonderful siblings, and my oldest sibling has a, has a farm, a goat farm, out in western Pennsylvania. And I don't know if you remember, a number of years back, they did a movie on the Atlanta Olympic bombing. And... and uh, uh, part of the movie was shot on her farm. So she lived, they literally got a call. They said, we need a farm, and we're going to set up a farmhouse to be part of this movie shot. And so I was over visiting my sister like the day after the movie teams had been there, and it was so cool. Literally, they come in, they clean out everything. Like the whole first floor gets all cleaned out. 
And then they look for the era that, this, that, this, that they're looking to recreate. And they were looking for an era of the 1980s. So literally, they come back in and they move in all kinds of stuff, vintage 1970s and 80s. And it was fun to see a refrigerator from, from back then, like the old Frigidaire one, the handle. I, everything was like, this is a trip back to kingdom. They even had somebody came, come in who was a specialist in dirt. So literally, they, had, they come in, and because the place is all clean, they literally have somebody who comes in and spreads dust and fake dead flies around, so it looks totally accurate. Well, here's the amazing part. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the sink, literally looking at the sink, and it's got, literally has staged dirty dishes and dust all over. And I'm thinking, there's somebody who loves dirt. I mean, it was kind of cool to think, like, there's somebody out, maybe in California or New York, wherever, and he's saying, you know what? You want dirt spread around a movie scene? I'm your guy. I do it better than anyone. I even, you know, some people don't even add flies. I do. His name is Ted. Just kidding, I don't know what his name is. But, but you know, folks, like, like the joy of that, right? That somebody's totally into that. Somebody's totally in. Somebody's totally the guy or the girl who knows all about 1970s and 1980s refrigerators, where to get them, how to set them up. Really something else. See, there's incredible power in that when we start to see a world that's filled with people who are really interesting. And what's our job? In a world filled with people who are really interesting, pretty simple, just to be interested. Let's take a look at that line again. If we simply see, simply out of love, what if simply out of love Simply out of love. We witness people's conscious experience. We witness what makes them happy. And we witness to the trajectory of their life. That's something to think about, right? Incredible, incredible beauty there. The way the world can start to open. Now the second one, folks. This person is not fill in the blank. This person is not fill in the blank. That was the lesson I really shared with you, frankly, at the beginning of church. It's so easy to define our experience with another person by the worst experience we had with them. That's really important to let that sink in. It's so easy for us to define, our, define another person by the worst experience we had with them. And that can go way back. I mean, an interesting one, folks, to me, and I've preached on this a number of years ago, but it was fascinating. Years ago, I read an article, and it was about this condition where people literally cannot forget anything. And it's a very small number of people who have that. Like, literally, they don't have to plug in cell phone numbers. Uh, you could show them a picture from, they were talking about this one person was a football fan. Like, you could show them a picture, and they would know the game. And they asked these people, they did a survey, what's that like? And, and how many of us would love to never forget anything, right? But guess what they all said? They didn't like it. Because they couldn't get over comments made to them in second grade. Or fourth grade, or fill in the blank. You know, forgetfulness can actually be our friend. 
a lot of the time. So what does that mean in terms of, of where we can sit here? Well, I think this is significant, folks, right, to remember with all of our lives here, right? We all sort of write a book that gives us our moral compass. So we, through, through our lives, we write this book, and it's got many chapters in it, right? And some of these chapters are, are chapters we would love to share. And a lot of them we can share very powerfully. I mean, I could tell you many stories about about places, New Church Live, where people have served. I mean, even right before church, just getting a, a, a text message about um, a group that's put together a whole bunch of great stuff for the Breathing Room Foundation for families who have cancer and, and supporting kids and with these Easter baskets. That's beautiful stuff. Like, I love to read those stories. But here's something that's true of everyone in here. As we write this book, right? I imagine that there are chapters that you are never going to read out loud in public. There are mistakes that you made that really are between you and God. Thoughts that you've had, times where you've lost your cool, times where you just, you look at it, it goes like, oh. Those are part of your book. Right? But don't allow yourself or other people to be defined by the worst chapter in their book. Don't allow yourself or other people to be defined by the worst chapter in their book. That's really big. Because it's so tempting to do that, right? And, and, and God's whole point, folks, God's whole point is freedom. Freeing you up to being, so you can be a loving human being. And if we believe, as hell would have us believe, that the whole book is just that chapter, that chapter which you will never read aloud in public, but that hell will tell you is you, you'll miss out on that freedom. That freedom to serve. That freedom to love. That freedom to connect. That freedom to really understand other people. When we're mired in our own guilt, it's hard to do any of those things. And as I say many times, interesting, from a Christian New Church perspective, guilt is a tool of hell. That doesn't mean don't feel guilty, but as is often said, you get to feel it for about 90 seconds <laughs> and then do something about it. Move on. And what is it that God is asking us to move on to? Well, here I'm going to use the words of Eleanor Roosevelt. Beautiful, beautiful words from Eleanor Roosevelt. Great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. Small minds discuss people. That's where God wants to get us, into, into these conversations that are much bigger. I was thinking about it this morning, you know, when I, when I was doing the last, sort of last-minute brush-up for the service today. And there's not one time in the Gospels that I, that I could think of off the top of my head, and if you can find it, you know, please let me know 
where Jesus singles another individual out by name to go after them by name. He just doesn't do it. There's no list of him complaining. There's no list of gossip. None. No gossip in there. Does Jesus confront bad behavior? All the time. Does he confront groups of people? All the time. But his response comes down to, and again, we're going to be entering the Easter season here too, his response consistently comes back to, I mean, I just, you know, it's that part of Jesus where, where I feel like more and more, the older I get, the more and more a miracle that is. Because it keeps on moving to Father, forgive them, they don't have a clue. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Wow, that's a different place to hold the world, a different way to, 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 see, to see life. As we, as we do that, folks, another part here from the book Heaven and Hell, if we believe the way things really are, that everything good comes from God and everything evil from hell, then we would not take credit for the good within us or blame for the evil. Whenever we thought or did anything good, we'd focus on the Lord, and any evil that flowed in, we would simply throw it back into the hell it came from. I think what that's talking about there is, is you know, and, and it's, it's not, folks, it's, it's so easy to read that. I remember reading this years ago, decades ago, and like, well, that means we're supposed to be detached from life. No, 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 no. It's, it's now that I'm 57 and at least maybe a little bit wisened up, it's, it's, no, it's about engaging life because we're not constantly going in sorting everything. I'm not walking into a room trying to figure out who's been naughty and who's been nice, who's getting Christmas presents and who's getting coal. Not doing that anymore. What does that allow us to be? Well, well what God wants you to be, just imagine this, right? What God wants you to be is a clean window. Is a clean window, a clean window of compassion. Why is that? Because that's the easiest way for you to see other people. If the window's clean, that will draw you much closer to other people. And again, this, this incessant sorting that we tend, we tend to fall into. It's, it's not that Christianity has a corner on that. It's interesting in, in Islam, the famous Sufi poem by Rumi, where he says, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Somebody will, will I'm sure, put in, the, put in the chat the exact quote or put a link to it, which would be great. But there's a line, and again, paraphrased here, there's a field beyond right and wrong. I will meet you there. There's a field beyond right and wrong. I will meet you there. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't things like right and wrong. Of course there are. But even confronting those things, if we're confronting those things from a clean window, it's a very different experience because it's no longer my agenda. 
What it is now is God's love and God's purpose in my own broken way, your own broken ways, our own broken ways, just doing its best to try to make the world very humbly with worn out tools just a little better. That's what God is asking for us and of us. So what if this? Again, that line again. Simply out of love. What if simply out of love we witnessed other people's lives and our own lives beyond credit and beyond blame? Beyond credit and beyond blame. And simply out of love we prayed today to just be a clean window as best we could. So, that's key number two. Key number three, this person has a future. This person has a future. I know working with, with, with families who struggle, and I know for me personally, there's a lot of the time where we can get deeply worried and concerned, and, and a lot of that, if we have children, can become worries for our children or grandchildren. Or, or whatever connection that might be for you. And I remember the first time, this was actually before New Church Live, really struggling with this and, and going to go, went to, went to see, a, see a pastor. And, and the pastor said this, and I still remember to this day, it gives me chills even saying it. He said, Chuck, you know, God has your children too. How? was a life-changing thing to share. And I know for a lot of people, you're well on the path, and I'm sure you're just like, yeah, of course that's a truism, but, but I guarantee there's somebody in here or somebody online or somebody who will see this service two or three years down the road, and that'll be exactly what you needed to hear from us here at New Church Live today. For your loved one, loved ones, God has them too. God has them too. The most famous passage that deals with that is a beautiful passage. And again, it's written in these dire, dire circumstances. This is Joshua 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Boy, that's a, that's a profound line of scripture there. One of the most profound in the Bible, actually. That would be like a top 10 one, I would think. And, and, you know, when you pull it apart, like, you know, many pastors, many of you are familiar with this line. And, and again, it's a line that just as great, as great scripture always does, it just can, the, the meaning continues to unfold. That, I, that idea, folks, first off, right, like, like it's so easy to think that God has plans out there to harm us. And we use the word test. You know, that God somehow is going to set, set tests out there, and he's going to see whether we pass these tests or not. Would you do that to your kids? <laughs> Probably not. I hope not. I mean, you want them to have challenges in life, and you want to join them in those challenges. That's very different than, than creating an obstacle course for your kids. <laughs> It's, it's, it's not about this, this, this idea that God is constantly testing 
God tests no one. Life is what tests us. And God is with us in those tests. Modeling how to work through it. And most importantly, folks, walking, walking, listen, please. Walking right beside you. Through them all. A quiet, knowing, loving presence. And that plan, it's, it's interesting. Like, it doesn't say in this that the plan is, and then you will be highly successful, however you define success. It says, no, the, the plan, it comes down to that line. Plan, the plan, the whole point of the plan is to give you a hope and future, the two together. God's plan is to give you hope. God's plan is to give you a hopeful future. And that creates a peace that can move throughout all the waves of life and just will continue to just hold us and hold us and hold us and hold us. That, that peace, folks, you know, I'm, I'm meeting with, uh, once a month we meet with young couples and we have a, a meeting tonight online. And we're going to be talking about patience. And I, I think so much of this is... is you know, we need that patience to be part of it, too. And, and just thinking about what, what, if you could go back in time, and, and Emily talked about this a little bit last week, big hint, watch last week's service. And she talked about, like, talking to our younger selves, you know, and what would we tell our younger selves? I don't think we would tell our younger selves to panic more. <laughs> I don't think we would. I think we talk to our younger selves about a future and about a hope looks. What does hope really look like? What's its, what's its feel? What's its shape? How does it work into the very marrow of our bones? Now, it's, it's no small thing, right? I think we're always called not just to the, like, experience this message individually. But how is it that we share this message? Yeah, exactly. I think about like Ukrainian refugees, right? And you think about these families who've lost everything. And what that must be like And what does it look like there for people to keep on reminding ourselves that, yeah, there is a future. And there is a hope. The phrase again. Mm. Simply from love. Simply from love. What if we were to witness to that future? What if we were to witness to that future? And what if we were able to support that future? I love this line that so much of our job with other people is to see a brighter future than they can currently see themselves. 
in the midst of the darkness that many of us are experiencing, like how do we see a brighter future than others might be able to see as best we can that does, that's not Pollyannish, that's not glib, that's not filled with a bunch of advice or Hallmark cards. It's based in faith. Faith that God is holding this. And faith that our job is to continue to live into that brighter future as best we can, not just witnessing it as in seeing it, but also witnessing it as supporting it. Think about those folks. Think about those three ways. When we come back, let's pull together some closing thought. So again, when we go out of here today, we can go out into the world again, seeing the world simply this way, simply out of love. It's uh, really a pleasure for us to be with you all today, and uh, we, we don't take it for granted. So. We also brought a friend of ours. His name is Tom Bissinger, and he's in the audience. And we're going to do one of his songs that he wrote recently. He has a peace chamber on his property, and uh, they have all kinds of ceremonies and gatherings, and uh, there are also other peace chambers throughout the world, and right now, they're all coordinated together, and they get together and have a prayer ceremony for the people of Ukraine at this certain time, certain uh, day. So Tom was in this peace chamber, and he wrote this song by himself, and this is a prayer ball right here. The song based on worked around this idea of the prayer, of prayer bowl. You hear it at 8.30 every morning with Chuck. This one's called Come to the Other Side. to me I see the faces they took me places I remember them gratefully snow is falling earth is calling come to the other side lay down lay down lay down your burden and come to the other
They healed with their hands and healed with their hearts. It's no mystery. I played the bowl and summoned the souls of those who passed recently. Snow is falling, earth is calling, come to the other side. Lay down, lay down, lay down your burden and come to the other side. Love, take it right and open me wide. Take me inside of you. So as we, we wrap it up here, folks, today, just again, thank you, thank you so much for joining us. And, and uh, yeah, just this that line again. It was a lucky wind that blew away his halo. It might just be a lucky wind that blows away our halo. Because maybe that's where we're finally able to see. Finally able to see and connect with people and that idea of being able to see simply out of love. That's where God wants us to be. That's where the world starts to change. That's where we start to see. And, and people then are no longer bit players in our big play. But the world becomes our stage, as they would say. Our stage. Everyone, a lead actor, a lead actress, everyone given their part, their role, their place, and our job to celebrate that, to support that, especially in the broken places. And that's where we start to value, again, community over superiority. And it's where we really bring what is ours to bring, and we bring it well. And that becomes the song, that becomes the dance, that becomes church, synagogue, mosque, that becomes the world. That might even on rare moments, feel like this. It might even, in rare moments, feel like heaven. Think about that. So again, thank you for joining us. Just a quick reminder, next week we're starting to get ready for Easter. Please join us for that as well. Thank you for joining us here today. And what we're gonna close with now is a prayer. So Allie's going to come out. We're going to sit over here. Allie's going to offer a prayer, and then I'm going to lead us in the Our Father prayer. Allie. Dear God, may we have strength to see the patterns of hatred, negativity, and fear. Our job is to be aware of the places we hate and turn negativity and fear and give it up to you to transform us, to break the ch chains and patterns that, harm, that are harmful. We need you. We will wait on you, and we invite you into a new way of being.
we invite in your loving eyes and heart to see what you would have us see in everyone, in everything around us. We give you our wills in exchange for your will, for it always works out better than we ever imagined. We invite in trust in you in the places we're tempted to take back, thinking we know best, for you always know best. May we let the people around us be free and have the dignity of their own failings. That is where we have found you. May we be beings of compassion, for compassion is about accepting people, including ourselves, as we are, and loving us there, loving them there. May we all, the people who struggle, find ease today. May they know love and deep care. May they know you. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you home. today with a song. I wrote this one a few years ago. I'm a big fan of westerns. I was watching a western and these two cowboys, uh, they made an oath to each other and they, they made a promise and one said to the other, you know, you're honor bound. And uh, I just heard that phrase, honor bound. And uh, it struck me um, thinking about how all of us are honor bound to uh, everyone that's come before us, all the spirits that are on the sidelines cheering us on and uh, pulling for us and how much they did so we could stand here and do what we do. This one's called Honor Bound. Honor Bound, Honor Bound Every one of us is Honor Bound all the ones that came before helped open up a door. Everybody here is honor bound. We are standing on the shoulders of those that came before us and helped us get this dream up off the ground. To the ones that risked it all to tear down every wall 